you. Oh, I'm like you. I have no regrets about Only God Forgives. I think it's a masterpiece, and it is. I just didn't make it very expensive. Is there a doctor in the house? We we need to get a medic in here. Is there is there a doctor around? <laughs> I just didn't make you, it. I, if you I, think I that's a masterpiece, what is Citizen Kane? It's great. But it's very, in, it was an inexpensive movie, so financially... Who gives a shit? And I have just two questions left. When you were mentioning... I have a third. Where is there a medic for this man? When you were mentioning... Did you hear the ambulance pull up? Okay. When you were mentioning 2001, says in Kane, you forgot to add Drive. But we'll let that slip. We won't know about Drive for another 30 years. 30 seconds. Wh whether it lives or dies. I'm talking about films. Uh, 2001 was made in 1968. I made this film about four years ago. So it's about four time. years is a zip. It's not even a blip. It's not a, a pimple on, on the asshole of humanity. Four years. But 2001 was made in 1968 and holds up like gangbusters. It's better than all this other similar crap. And Citizen Kane my know about Citizen Kane was made in 1941. We know that. My point And is it lives. Okay. Chris Kelsey here with Matt Howell. And this week on the first run, we head down under for this year's scariest movie of all time, Talk to Me. Should you believe the hype? Does A24 deliver another knockout winner? We'll give you our oh-so-informed opinion. Then we'll run down the big releases on physical media, give you our straight-to-DVD and streaming picks of the week, then wrap up this episode with our definitive personal rankings of the top five films in the A24 catalog. So pop open a foster and watch out for all the deadly wildlife with Talk to Me. Matt, talk to me. What is Talk to Me all about? Well, a uh, group of teens uh, in Australia, they have an embalmed hand. And if you grip this hand and say, talk to me, the person holding the hand will be able to see the spirits of the dead. And if they say, I let you in, they become possessed by the spirit of that dead. To get rid of the dead, all they have to do is let go of the hand, but they can't hold on to it for too long. Well, those teens, they get addicted to the rush of, I guess, having 
dead people take over their body. And oh boy, they push it too far and bad stuff happens. I do appreciate the uh, introduction of demonic possession or spiritual possession as a party game for kicks. Mm. (laughs) And it almost kind of makes sense. I mean, when you have the whole, you know, Tide Pod challenge, (laughs) I mean, you have all that, which is all basically BS stuff, folks. None of that stuff is really real. Mm-hmm. But still, you get that kind of vibe from it, right? And right. Uh, I thought it was an interesting uh, take on the uh, position horror film. I'm terrified to think probably much more interesting than an upcoming Extra Six sequel that we're going to mm-hmm. be getting in short order. Right. Matt, which I've seen a trailer for a few times now, and it's I, I just don't have high hopes for that thing at all. Yeah, I mean, the Exorcist uh, trailers is basically their your possession tropes. Uh, hopefully they're done well. That's all. But I there's two. Because it's, you know, we really right. got to... Well, you got to up the ante. Kids. Yeah. What's exactly. scarier than one possessed little kid? Two possessed little kids. <laughs> so, Matt, is Talk to Me the scariest film of the past 10 years? Uh, no, it's not. Um, it's not. It's not. I, I honestly, I, I hate it to have to start like I'm like crapping all over this movie. If I have one major complaint against this film is it doesn't, it lacks a certain degree of suspense. There's not a lot of tension in it. I mean, there's some definitely very creepy scenes. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that are really well acted. Mm-hmm. I think it's clever in some of its uh, story beats and kind of the way the mythology works in this thing. But you don't kind of get that like propulsive, they're in constant serious danger. It's more like Hereditary or Midsommar where things are falling apart without the kind of oddness that makes you unsettling in those type of films. So I wouldn't say it was scary. I I was entertained by it. I thought it was a Mm. pretty well put together film, but I wouldn't say it's even by far the last scariest film in maybe the last two or three years. Yeah. It's weird too, because you'd think a film that came out of, you know, a bunch of people on an Island just filled with criminal deviants (laughs) that they'd have a lot of horror to draw upon. Mm. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I wonder if it's because they're maybe too focused on creating the mystery behind Talk to Me and not the mystery of like the hand and what happens. We don't really run into that at all. In fact, there's like a, a brief, almost tossed off explanation for what, what, what it is and how it is and why. Uh, but I think it's a weird kind of cliff that, or I should say a, a cliff that the, yeah, the film walks. Because I think the film is entirely carried by our lead, Sophie Wilde. I mean, she is the heart and soul of this entire film. And the uh, Phil Powell brothers are focused so much on, I think, building the mystery of what's happening to her and how it's Mm -hmm. impacting the world around her uh, based on her experiences and her performance. And I want to tell you, too, her performance in this is fantastic. I mean, she really does a great job of ex- just illustrating to us this young woman who's experienced so much loss in her life and desperate to make connection, even if it's on a shallow nature or on a supernatural one. And she's just so driven to be a part of something. So I think by focusing on her, there adds, I think, an air of just, I don't know, Matt, I don't want to say believability but or reality but just uh an emotional hook for us mm-hmm. to get involved in the movie but there is also a mystery they're building about what's really happening to her in the spirits that she's engaging with and then maybe that's part of the issue is they 
they sacrificed some of that overwhelming, consistent, propulsive dread mm-hmm. that we would get from some of the other stuff, your hereditaries, your, you know, your it follows, whatever the case may be for that human element. What do right. you think? Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. And I, I don't think, I mean, I think the film suffers as a horror movie because of that. I don't know if it suffers as a, like a film, a story in and of itself. Like I said, mm-hmm. I, I found it was very entertaining right. and I think it's very engaging. It's just not particularly scary. And, and, you know, that goes back to our debate. Does a horror film have to be scary? I'm usually in the camp that, yes, it does. But uh, this one, I still enjoyed myself. And and I, have you, let me ask you this, Chris. Have you yeah. ever seen Lake Mungo, the Australian No, it's horror? on my list. I hear it's one of the better found footage films mm-hmm. that runs perhaps a little dry for a while, but has yeah. a knock you on your ass ending. Yeah. So... Lake Mungo is also, I believe, an Australian film. And I all, all I ever heard was, oh, it's so good. It's so scary, blah, blah, blah. I watched it. It's a good film, but it's not scary. It's It almost has the same vibe as this one. So, mm-hmm. like, I don't know if it's maybe that's the sensibility. I haven't seen that many Australian horror films. Like, maybe they have a sensibility. Like, the French have a sensibility where they're all a bunch of sadist crazies. Like, I don't really know. But, uh I don't know. Maybe it's just the way these things are, are are played out. But I will say, at least in this thing's favor, beyond what you said, I think the ending, the actual kind of, the kind of climax piece of the ending, the the final shots, I think are incredibly well done, and I think are really spooky. And I kind of wish we had gotten something more to that level throughout the whole thing. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, I know there's been some good Australian horror. I mean, I think the Babadook is great. And then I don't know if maybe I don't know if I was expecting more of a Wolf Creek. If yeah. you've ever seen it, is, I have seen uh, Wolf Creek. Yeah, pretty intense and mean. That yeah. is kind of feels more kind of like those French extreme, yeah, uh, films we saw in a while. For a while, Snowtown Murders I think is pretty solid. Is more like this, so maybe that's the the uh, vibe. Unless we're doing like a Rogue, which is you know that killer alligator film that came out years ago, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Matt. What did you think, too, of the idea, though, of... I think they do a good job of... Oh, I hit my trash can. I think they do a good job of building this type of film, this genre, this this position film, in the kind of real-life uh, uh, difficulties and challenges that teens seem uh, experience nowadays. You know, I think mm-hmm. that... I think they did a really good, interesting job. Like, there's a trans actor in here, but they make no mention of it at any point. They're just a person in the film, which I think is cool. But also dealing with family and and school and and bullies and all that kind of stuff too. I think there's an authenticity to the film that I think that really helps lend credence to the film and makes it feel. I don't, I don't know, Matt. Like I, I agree with you that there's not a lot of terrifying stuff in here, I, uh, and we seem to be more focused. Uh, um, on the real life drama of these kids for the most part. And then we have just kind of flashes of, Hey, this is going to scare you for a bit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, I think uh, what's telling is they're more concerned for the majority of the film with like being embarrassed by their behavior, getting out like on a TikTok or something than they yeah. are with messing with ghosts. I think maybe that's more telling as to kind of what uh teenage priorities are they're looking for the the thrill without realizing the danger that they're getting into yeah exactly that's a great way to put it so um there they've actually already shot a prequel to the film it's it's in the can supposedly and they've talked about um they've already sketched out some scenes for a sequel 
which they're going to title uh, Talk To Me. Get it? To gotcha. It's, no, seriously? That's what they're going to do? That supposedly, yes. Gross. Does this, I mean, it, it. it's one of those weird things where like, I feel I'm good, like I don't need a sequel. Right. But it's a concept that is just perfectly ripe for a sequel. Yeah, you know what? I, I can't knock it. Um, I mean, even with the prequel thing, uh, we've liked prequels a lot better than on some of these films. I mean, I think of uh, Pearl or Annabelle yeah. uh, or Ouija Origins or whatever it is. Um, so maybe it could work out much better. Maybe the prequel will be much better. As far as the sequel, I um, would be less jazzed for that, but uh, we shall see. Fair enough. Matt, uh, any final thoughts on Talk To Me? Or do you want to give me a good old Raideroo? I'll give you a Raideroo. Um, while I sounded pretty critical of this film, I'm going to give it a B plus. I, I still thought it was a pretty solid good film. Uh, agreed. That's exactly what I had as well as a B plus. Uh, it's not, like we said, the most terrifying film of the past 10 years, but it is creepy as all get out quite often. And the performance of Sophie Wilde, I think, makes it worth checking out for sure. So uh, Talk To Me is currently available to see in theaters, and I'm sure it'll be on demand in short order. Matt, um, I want to make a couple of disclosures. Uh, I, of course, would love to hear your thoughts, feedback at thefirstrun.com. Uh, my regular laptop, my newish one, uh, has is there's something wrong with it, and it's not working. So I'm now working on my old one. So I have no idea how this is going to go. I don't know how this edit's going to go today. I do not have countdown clips for the physical media. I just... Oh. It took me an hour just to load the clips you're going to hear so because uh, it was so slow and clocking so much. So we're just going to have to do this kind of old school today. But that's all right. We're in it together. We're in it to win it. So that's fine, Matt. But um, here's something that's uh, coming up on physical media this upcoming Tuesday. When I was 22, I got involved with the Russian mafia. I was a frat boy on a class trip. This is Igor. He's here for your protection. He is very dangerous. Ooh. You are not to talk to or hang out with him. All I want to do is hang out with him. I did not speak Russian. Yeah, machine. <laughs> All I knew how to say was, On the machine! It was literally the best summer of my life. We robbing this guy? This is Russia! 23 years after those events, the story continues. What is wrong with this shirt? Yo, machine. Uh, not today, brother. Not today. My dad showed up. You paid money to see my son tell his made-up story about robbing a train in Russia? for the millionth time. It's a true story. It took about two seconds before he started making me mental. Look at it. He's a monster. <gasps> Are you the machine? Ma'am, the party's outside. 23 years ago, you stole the only thing my father ever cared about. Sorry. This is some sort of TikTok prank? I'm about to lose my shit. It's definitely a prank. Clearly, that's a fake gun. <laughs> or not. You're coming with me back to Russia. Russia? Oh, Russia. There's a bad edit there, too. Jesus Christ, this show's falling apart, Matt. The Machine. The uh, I guess they made a, a, a movie of Burt Kreischer's uh, experience there, or at least a sequel to it, in a way. I don't know. Um, right. At one point, this was on the list for us to do, but... Ended it up not panning out. Um, I'm going to blame Matt on that. I'm not as familiar with Bert's uh, comedy, though. Everything I've kind of seen with him, he seems like a pretty funny guy. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, I'm I haven't seen a lot of his stand up, but I have seen this this skit uh, or this portion of a stand up special. It's it's funny and it's a very engaging story. But I, I don't know how you would blow this out into a film. I mean, yeah. the most interesting thing I know about Bert Kreischer is that uh, Van Wilder is partially based on him. So 
Oh, really? Yeah, that's supposed to be. They heard about him and how he was at Florida State, like when he was during this time, and they based it partially. You know, they took his life and then just kind of cranked it up a little bit to make Van Wilder. I had no idea. Good for mm-hmm. him. So you can pick that up, Matt, with some outtakes and bloopers, behind the scenes featurettes, and some deleted scenes. But your number five release, Matt, this week is going to be from Grindhouse, and that is Impulse, a paranoid leisure suit wearing con man jiggle named Matt Stone seduces lonely women, bilks some of their savings, Matt, via an investment scam, and then kills them. When he begins seeing an attractive widow, her daughter Tina begins to think something is up. But my favorite part about it, Matt, who plays the uh, guy here, Matt? Who is our salty character, our killer? Who's Matt Stone? Yes. Uh, uh, Sean Penn. Ooh, Shatner. No, oh, okay, very nice. So it is one of those lost kind of cult films. I think it's from the late '60s. Okay. And uh, I would, I gotta admit, I'm kind of curious to check this out. It's a brand new 4K restoration created from the rare archival film elements. And there's a two-disc set that contains 15 hours of bonus material, including some interviews uh, from uh, Shatner from when he did a special in uh, Santa Monica back in 2022. Additional interviews, uh, a haunting alternate French soundtrack, and two, be- two bonus feature films, too. I have no idea what those are, though, but uh, and more. Matt, number four, then, is going to be The Wrath of Becky. You remember when we saw Becky a few years ago about that young woman who has to fight off the um, Kevin James white supremacist guy who yes. invades his house? Yes, yes, yes. They made a sequel to that, oh, and it's okay. called Wrath of Becky. I, I'll, I'll watch that. I, I enjoyed it, that first one enough to check it out. Yeah, I'll buy that for a dollar. So there, there you go. That's number four. Uh, two years after she escaped a violent attack on her family, Matt, Becky attempts to rebuild her life in the care of an older woman. When a group of men break into their home, Becky must return to her old ways to protect herself and her loved ones. It's kind of like it's just a super hyped up, violent, home alone type thing, I guess. Number three, Matt, is going to be Holy Spider. Another film we did for the show, directed and written by Ali Abbasi, uh, about a young Iranian reporter, this young woman who basically tries to track down a serial killer who's killing prostitutes because they are violating God's law. And all the uh, issues she runs into with the government and the populace who feel like, well, you know, he's kind of doing the right thing. So we did this for the show a while back. Uh, I think I, I, I don't know if I would say, can you say you rather en- you enjoyed it? But it was certainly an interesting and engaging film, I thought. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, an engaging set. It's not something I think I'll be revisiting a whole lot. Sorry. No. Holy Spider. And then the uh, classic BBC horror, I guess it was like a TV movie, uh, Ghost Watch. I've never seen it, but I've heard really good. It's also one of the earlier found footage uh, films where about four respected presenters they go in with a camera crew to discover the truth behind the most haunted house in Britain and everything goes horribly, horribly wrong. Mm. It includes a brand new 30th anniversary documentary, a new audio commentary, and more, Matt. But your I number think, one... Really, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think that is the what makes that one so famous is that it was, it was like a War of the World situation. Like it was yeah. put on BBC... And people tuned in not realizing it was fake and like they freaked out. Yeah, yeah. No, that's exactly it. Matt, then your number one then is going to be Asteroid City. Wes Anderson's latest wow. film is being released on Blu-ray. I haven't seen anything on a 4K and I'm sure at some point there will be a Criterion release. <laughs> so you may want to hold off if you are so inclined and includes, I think it's just so far, just a making up Asteroid City featurette. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be picking it up at some point when the price is right and the packaging is what I want. Are you going to hang tight for a, uh, criterion? a criterion for a while? Probably. Yeah, I would think so. Matt, other 4K releases 
uh, Roman Holiday. The Audrey Hepburn uh, film is getting a 70th anniversary release with eventually a bunch of ported over archival featurettes. And then City of the Living Dead is getting a standard release. I got the deluxe, which included like a special poster or a slipcase and some stickers and stuff. This is more just a standard release on 4K. And Matt, your straight-to-DVD pick of the week. I I don't know what this is. It's called, Well, I mean, the title kind of gives it away. Ouija Shark 2. Oh. When the Ouija Shark emerges from hell to cause havoc once more on Earth... A sorcerer with a history of fighting the ghost of Great White must follow it into a multiverse hellscape for one final battle. But this time, he's bringing some friends along to help send the shark into oblivion. So I'm guessing there's a a Ouija board in the first one, and it brings the demon shark into our world. Makes sense. It happens a lot. They don't... the, the, The... Milton Bradley people don't tell you that about the Ouija board, but that's the biggest thing you have to worry about, is getting a shark coming through. <laughs> I didn't realize how big like a genre of shark exploitation really is. I guess there's like a whole documentary about it coming out. Yeah, well, I think Sharknado really laid the, <laughs> the groundwork, and it just blew up from there. Yeah, I mean, I know we had stuff after uh, Jaws. There was a whole bunch of Italian and I think it's Spanish knockoffs, but uh, absolutely. Matt, which would we be streaming this week? Well, I'm going to make it an easy one for you. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is available on Disney Plus for your viewing pleasure. Check it out because, quite honestly, guys, it's the best Marvel film that's been that's come out in a long time. And it's it's a good capper for the, the Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy and guns goodbye to the MCU. Good, there you go, Matt. Um, what was I going to tell you? Oh, I'm about, where am I? Episode 3 of Season 4 of Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. And um, it's okay. It's pretty okay. good. Okay. So far, it's okay. Yeah. I mean, it's it's fun. I mean, I wouldn't call it groundbreaking, but it's just a fun little uh, suspense popcorn show. Yeah, I'm kind of waiting for things to get rolling a bit. Um, mm-hmm. We're doing a lot of establishment stuff. Sure. But um, I like the new villain. Yeah. I like that the gore and violence is amped up a bit. I understand they did a kind of a Harry Potter thing, go to hell rolling, that um, they wanted the, the, the progress and maturity as the yeah. people who watched it got older type of a thing. And it's still, it's one of the few shows that I do I never skip the intro on because I love yeah. it so much. Yeah, it's a good one. All right. Let's close out the show, Matt. And I can't believe what tired I am. It's such a weird, long day. Mm. Um, did I tell you I got a, G- a GTI? Oh, no, you didn't. Congratulations did. on your new car. Things worked out in my favor after all. Okay. So I'm very excited. I got the Moonstone Gray SE, which is the exact one I wanted. Okay. And I can't wait to drive it around a whole bunch of bunch of is it brand new or is it a different year? Yes, it is. Okay, it's it's brand new. Yes, it is brand new. <laughs> okay, okay, very good. <laughs> I splurged on uh, we splurged a little bit on it, so it's nice. it's my basically my dream car outside of a Shelby Cobra, right. which I'm not going to be getting one of those. Yeah, right. So, but uh, Mrs. First Run basically said, "All right, this is it. This is your last GTI." <laughs> like, fair enough. All right, very fair good. enough. Very good. So, uh, Matt, let's go ahead and close out the big show. I'm really stuck on this one. I. I don't know. I know we're doing a new top five, but my top five isn't that different at all. Mm -hmm. So I may do a, like an alternate top five or a six through 10. Six through 10. Mm -hmm. I had some changes. I had some changes from my last one. So. All right. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's get into it. Some people, they want to do the right thing. I like doing the wrong thing. Everyone's always telling me, yo, you got to change. I'm about stacking change, yo. Stacking change. That's it, money. I'm about making money. That's the dream, y'all. That's the American dream. 
That's it. I did it. Most of my brothers and sisters, they dead. It was all bad. You got murdered. I'm the last one standing. I'm bad as they is. Just in our blood, y'all. But I love it. This was my dream. I made it come true. This is the fucking American dream, y'all. This is my fucking dream, y'all. All this shit. Look at my shit. <laughs> that was an honorable mention for Matt. It was. We covered in episode 402 when we first did a uh, favorite top five of A24. That, of course, is the relentless James Franco in more ways than one, it appears, uh, in Harmony Corman's uh, Spring Breakers. An experience more than a film. Yeah. It's, you know what? I still have a weird affection for Spring Breakers. It's really unfortunate that, that uh, James Franco, although. P- probably really thought about it was not unsurprisingly was a, a dirtbag and but man the, watching him in alien as alien in that film is just chef's kiss a delight um, and then and then i i had a big time i had a good time with disaster artist too i still really enjoy that as well so uh it's unfortunate thanks james for ruining it for me that is matt shit that is his shit <laughs> Matt, all right, so should we run down what we had last time? Do you have your top five from last time? Do you want to share it with us now? If you don't, I have it in front of me. Um, Sure, yeah, I have it. So my top five uh, was Hereditary at number five. Number four was Under the Skin. Three was The Vich. Two was Ex Machina. And one was Green Room. And I had uh, Hereditary at five, Room at four. Florida Project at three. Matt had not seen it yet. And that was one of those things where like um, one cut of the dead where he was giving me a hard time and it said he would watch it and never did. You still haven't seen one cut of the dead too, correct? I still have not seen one cut of the dead. I think that's something that I just have to continue. That'll be like the day we turn the show off, like the day we finally hang it up. I'll be like, you know what? I want to talk about one cut of the dead before we, <laughs> we sign off one last time. <laughs> oh, my teeth will be falling out. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. Good, good. Uh, but Matt did originally come around and really enjoyed Florida Project. So I did. I did. I really enjoyed Florida Project. It's good. For and then my, my two was Lady Bird. My one was Moonlight. So I don't, I don't know, Matt. I'm really struggling with this. So 824 has churned out a lot of great tent, as the kids say. And uh, I don't know how different my list would really be at this point. Like I'd probably move Room out. Yeah. And I'm now more like, not so much best, but my favorite. Mm -hmm. And then I think things change a little bit, but really not much. So I'm just going to give you an alternate top five. That's none of the ones that I mentioned previously. Okay. All right. So Matt, why don't you start us off though? What's your new fifth favorite or old fifth favorite? Well, do you want to do? Do you want to do our ten through six, and then we can do a quick run? Because really, only th- two things have changed on my top five. Sure. All right. Let's do ten through six. Let's do it that way. All right. So then, my number ten then I think would be uh, climax. Gaspar knows mm. uh, fever dream of a bunch of uh, uh, French dancers who get the sponge piked and things go haywire. Honestly, I don't know why it's a film I like so much, but for some reason, I'm just on its vibe with that kind of awfulness that just keeps going through this whole damn thing. And I've said it once and I'll say it again. It has an awesome opening dance number. 
That's true. That's very true. I could see that why that why ba ba ba. Jeez, Chris. All right, Matt. So I'm making some game time decisions right here myself. So um, let's see here. You know what? Yeah. No. Well, maybe. Yes. So. See, I don't. Uh, I still don't know. That's the problem. There's so many good ones that I'd like to toss around here. I guess I'm gonna go with number ten. It's going to be because I just made a change a second ago. I changed my mind on something. And part of me, you know, it's just, I don't know if I want it to be last black man in San Francisco anymore Mm. because of Jonathan Majors. Right. It is such a beautiful film. It's very heartwarming. It's very sad. It's beautiful. It's funny. It's gorgeous. It's a piece of art, that film, Mm. and I adore it. Um, And it's my number 10 that possibly features an absolutely horrible human being in it yeah i mean honestly all my my uh, honorable mentions are peppered with uh films that i really enjoyed that have horrible human beings in it, of which the last black man in san francisco is one of them because i really do love that film uh but i i relegated it to the the honorable mentions ben fair enough all right all right my number seven nine nine nine, nine. yeah my number seven. nine seven god chris i mean Somebody needs to be put to bed. He's getting a little <laughs> forgetful. Um, my number nine then is uh, eighth grade. Uh, mm-hmm. Bo Burnham's uh, just ode to growing up, um, kind of embracing the awkwardness and kind of not flinching at some of the kind of stuff that's universally experienced. Plus, you know, peppering it with the things that are uniquely now. And it is a, it is a painful film to watch at times but it is very heartwarming and very sweet so i i quite enjoy it in the sappiness part of myself yeah nope that's 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 mine as well okay my number nine is eighth grade uh l fanning is an absolute delight in that film the cringe in it is really unsettling but still mm-hmm. sweet and i'm gonna talk another film talk about authenticity you really do connect with this film on a very deep visceral level and it's very Funny, sweet. I remember that time. I still that scene when that guy's trying to make a move on her in the car, and mm. you just, you know, you're desperate to get in there and just punch that kid in the face, or <laughs> God, please, no, don't let this happen. Don't let this happen, you know? Right. And it's just, uh, what, but still a film filled with wonderful little moments as well. So I know, Matt, you don't know this, but every time the show ends and we've stopped recording, Matt goes, Gucci, and then uh, disconnects. So, yeah, way to, way to blow up my spot, man. Damn. <laughs> Um, all right. So my number eight is a film we've talked about a lot. Um, it's uh, Saint Maud. The uh, mm. uh, I, I hesitate to say supernatural, maybe possession, maybe or crazy person, maybe a film about a hyper religious woman who is kind of got a uh, flagellant view of uh, adoring Jesus and the stuff that she does Morphid Clark uh, does a fantastic job and uh, yeah it is just a film that you should just watch going in as blind as possible yeah uh, St. Maud's job is beach I really thought that might get some uh, traction on the internet but it didn't when I tweeted that out so uh, <laughs> you know it took a, that's another ending in a film too that has stuck with me so. yeah definitely uh, great so where are we number eight number yes. eight I'm gonna go everything everywhere all at once okay I think the Daniels um film about family and 
you know, time travel and martial arts um, with two fantastic performances, uh, two Oscar winning performances and best picture win as well. Right. So mm-hmm. uh, a wonderful, fun and entertaining, engaging film from last year. Did a, I don't know. I don't know if it's, did it win every one of its categories? If it didn't, it came damn close. I don't remember to call on I don't think, I think Stephanie Sal was nominated. She didn't know because Jamie Lee Curtis won, I think. Right. right? Which was a really horrible decision. Curtis is fine, but mm. Stephanie's, I think, much better uh, in that film. But just mind-bending visuals and to keep that insane plot so cohesive and engaging and tight and understandable and fun all at the same time while hitting you on a deep emotional level. It was quite a feat. So um, that's right now, that's my eight. All right. That's a good one. Uh, my number seven, then, is The Lighthouse. Uh, David Eggers brings uh, silent to, or kind of low-key MVP Robert Pattinson and the always delightful when he's especially gets to, when he gets to be crazy Willem Dafoe about two surly sailor guys with old-timey speech uh, trapped on a, a lighthouse on hell or something. I don't know. But it is it is a wild trip of a, of a film and it's got some excellent visuals and I never thought something like why'd you spill the beans would be so funny yet so sinister at the same time. <laughs> That's very true. Now I, that may, there may be a lighthouse clip in the stinger this week. Okay. Unfortunately, it's not going to be why'd you spill the beans, but okay. still okay. it is. Uh, yeah. So stay tuned for that one, folks. Remember. Yeah. I don't know if you know that there is a stinger at the end of every episode. So where are we? Number seven, number yes. seven. It's for me, it is, um, as Matt so affectionately put it, the Vich, Mm. Robert Eggers, um, puritanical supernatural horror film with, I think, I think my first experience with Anya Taylor-Joy as an actress. I think mine as well, yes. Uh, About a a young woman and her family, they're ostracized from their uh, town. They try and set up their little house in their little settlement in their homestead out in the woods and... Weird, creepy things begin to happen, and she gets blamed for some of them and decides to uh, join a coven. So, um, <laughs> nice callback. Thank Deep you. Cut. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's my uh, six. Uh, you're seven. Seven. Yes. Seven. Seven. Yeah. All right. So, my number six then is actually fell out of the top five in favor of some of my new ones uh, is, is Ex Machina, the mm. uh, real girl uh, creation of a. AI, which is just uh, well acted all around by Oscar Isaac and and Domhnall Gleeson and uh, Alicia Vikander, uh, but it always begs the question: Why in the f would you make your human robot stronger than a human? I never understood that. Why wouldn't you make them easier to overpower in case they do the inevitable of turning against you? That's true. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. You got to plan ahead for that stuff. I mean. We've been we've been having Terminator movies for how long? It, yeah, it's, it's just... like it's like they've never seen two thousand one Terminator. It's like those films just do not exist in this in these universes. Dummies. Mm. Uh, my number four. Then I think it's my only. Is it my only repeat director? Oh your wait, number, your number six. Six. My number six. What did I say? Four. Four. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> good god! In fact, actually, I gotta I gotta check one thing. Actually, I hope I didn't just totally mess up here. Hold on. We gotta look at something here real fast. All right, everybody, bear with us. Everybody, bear with us. This is a lot of fun. I hope you're enjoying me vamp for a minute here. 
because um, I want to make sure I didn't totally screw something up here. And I didn't. Good. Whew. Whew. Good Lord. All right. So my only repeat director then uh, on my list is Ari Aster. And Midsommar is my six with the inimitable. Inimitable? The in in inimitable? I now I don't even know. It doesn't make it. It's like a, one of those words that stop making sense to you. Chris, Uncle Chris needs to go to bed. Uh, it's going to be Midsommar mm. about a young woman who is dealing with uh, the grief of the, her her not only her sister's suicide, but her the murder of her parents as well by her sister. Mm. And so she her boyfriend is about to break up with her, played by um, Jack Rayner, who is one of my favorite actors. Um, I think I think that's probably more because of Sing Street, but yeah. and I was a deep affection for him because of that film. But um, still, so they go on a, a little trip to the um, I don't know the Nordish white people land. Where do they Scandin- go again? I don't even remember Scandinavia. I think it's like one uh, yeah, Sweden or Norway. I don't remember which one. And we hate Sweden now, right? Because they knocked out the uh, women's World Cup team. Was that Sweden? That was Sweden. That was Sweden. But you know what? They're there to play. They were there to play, and the U.S. was hoping to coast. Embarrassing. So, uh, yeah. So, anyway, there's a big festival, and as we like to say in the show, things go horribly, horribly wrong. Uh, but still, the film, again, housed around Pew, who is just fantastic in it. So, that's my that's my six. I, 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 I think about that film every now and then. I haven't watched it in a long time. I have that 4K from A24. I should yeah. really pop that in, but... There are people who hate that film because they think that it's a it's not a tale of a woman taking control of herself in her life mm-hmm. and dealing with her grief. It's, it's someone being manipulated yet again mm-hmm. by a group of people to steal to take from her her agency yeah. one more time. And I, I just, I don't think I really noticed, thought about it that way before, but it's made me think about it that a little more, so it makes me want to rewatch it. Yeah, I agree with that second interpretation. I don't think it's nec- like a, an uplifting or a positive. I don't see how anybody gets any positive messages out of any of his films at all. So I, yeah, uh, I, uh, yeah I agree with that interpretation, you know, much more. I think it's a much darker film and it makes it uh, much, somehow makes it even worse than it yeah. is. And we still have to see Bo is Afraid, too. We got to get that done at some point. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious about that because the way it was marketed doesn't make it look like a horror film. But, like, everything you read about it, it's, like, always classified in the in the horror genre, which really is strange to me. So we'll see. There you go. All right. Five. Uh, so we're going to burn through these real quick since they're, sure. not, so they're not strange. All right. So uh, you want all at once or you want to go back and forth? Um. We'll go back and forth. Go ahead. Okay. You're fine. All right. So my number five, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once, snuck into my number five. It knocked uh, Ex Machina down to the six spots. So my five actually was not on my list last time, and it is Green Room. Mm-hmm. I have since kind of restocked that one, and I think it's much better than I recalled, and it is creepy and weird, and I don't know. I just, you know, but killing Nazis is, all, is a good one for me. <laughs> all right. So my number, the four, my number four has not changed. It is uh, Under the Skin... Scarlett Johansson being super weird. Uh, what the hell is going on in this? I don't know, but it is fantastic. Yeah, and uh, again, my first introduction to Mika Levy. She did mm. the score for that, and it is one of my favorites. It is just as ethereal as the film itself. I don't know if that film would be as successful as it is without Mika Levy's score, but it is an honorable mention for me. 
So uh, my four continues to be Ari Aster's Hereditary. Mm, very good. Uh, my number three then is The Bitch. I have a much deeper fondness for that film than Chris does, but I think it's really kind of the first film that really put the A24 horror movie, you know, as, as a, you know, a must-see eventually list. So then uh, my three is still Florida Project mm-hmm. with uh, Willem Dafoe, who I did not win an Oscar that year, but definitely should have. And I think a young lady's name is Bailey Madison as well. Uh, perfectly captures the uh, innocence and joy of a child growing up in a situation that is just not appropriate or fair for her in any capacity, but mm-hmm. doing the best she can with the life she has. So that's my three, yeah. Uh, my number two, then, is The Florida Project. That moved way up the list, uh, knocking stuff off left and right. But uh, it is such a good film. And it is so incredibly in tune to the weirdness that is Florida. Indeed. And my two, then, is Lady Bird. But it makes me think maybe I should swap them both out. Because I feel like Florida Project I have more of an emotional connection with and appreciate than I do uh, Lady Bird, which is just kind of just fun and weird and quirky. Yeah. And just a lot, just a, a, a fun little film. But... At the moment, I still have Lady Bird as my two. Yeah, yeah, I would support you switching them around. I Lady Bird's fun, but it's not. It's not. It doesn't have the oomph that uh, Florida Project does. So my yeah. number one didn't change. It's still Green Room. It's still out of all the A twenty four films. It's still the one that's the most fun to watch. I don't care how great Moonlight is or any of that stuff. I will acknowledge those are excellent films. But you know what? I'm not sitting down to watch Moonlight on a Tuesday night. I'm gonna watch. If I'm gonna watch any of this stuff, it's probably gonna be Green Room because. It is hella fun. Yeah, and then my number one is still Barry Jenkins' uh, Moonlight. What I was panicking for about double directors is that, uh, once, uh, what is it, uh, if Beale Street could talk, I couldn't remember if that was an A24. It's not. It's an Annapura film. Mm. But uh, I think Beale Street could talk is superior to Moonlight, but didn't get half the traction that Moonlight did, and I still don't understand why. Right. But uh, Moonlight is achingly beautiful, but if Beale Street could talk even more so. Mm. I mean, I was crying probably half the time while watching If Beale Street Could Talk. If you have not seen it yet, folks, just grab a box of tissues, sit down, and be prepared to be shattered. It is really that great a film. And I think one of the keys, again, for me is the score. Nicholas Brittle's score in that is just... it. I get chills when I hear it. I, I'll listen to that in his Moonlight score, and I just... I do. I get goosebumps every time I listen to him. They're that... They're just that fragile and that beautiful, just like both of these films are. Fantastic. Matt, what are some uh, honorable mentions there for uh, Uncle Matt then? All anything right. else? Anything, I, don't know if we have to, I don't know if there's anything you just want to s- stress that maybe not as well known or... Well, I mean, my honorable, there's a long, long list of films that I really liked in this. And, yeah. But I think my honorable mentions are, one, the problematic dude group uh, with Casey Affleck and a ghost story. I really enjoyed that. Uh, you know, Franco with uh, Spring Breakers and the Disaster Artists, uh, uh, Majors with The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Those are all excellent films if you can kind of just look past to, to some of the people that are in them. I really like The Green Knight. I kind of on the, I really like how weird it is. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm in on that. After Sun is super sad. So I, I somehow still like that one and connect with it as well. And I also uh, enjoyed uh, The Farewell and Minari quite a bit as well. All great, Matt. And stuff that you didn't mention that I would bring up. I still, I haven't watched it for a while, but I think still Uncut Gems is really great. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Safdie Brothers films. First Cow, uh, Kelly Reichert's film about uh, a burgeoning love between um, two men during the uh, 
what just the expansion of the old west the old west was it that or was it even like colonial was it even earlier than that was it colonial i thought I it was so. uh, all right well, maybe clearly not know. that big an impact on me then if i got it that wrong <laughs> and uh what else do you do uh, a most violent year jc chander's film mm-hmm. i that's a guy's career arc that i do not understand in any capacity but um, Oscar Isaacs and Jessica Chastain, in, uh, they run a kind of uh, a gas company in Jersey. Then they're trying to kind of go legit-ish. And yeah. everything that kind of falls apart around them. Just a, a great little slice of a life film. I think it's set in the early, in the 90s. I can't remember now. It's been a long time since I watched it. Uh, the minimalist interpretation of Tragedy of Macbeth by the mm. Coen brothers. Mm-hmm. I think is really interesting to watch. And then I think finally I'll say uh, Schrader's first performed with Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Um, about a man just uh, who sees no way out and is devastated by the potential impacts of climate change and um, everything that happens to him and the people around him because of it, I guess. In a way, I don't know. It w- anyway, just watch it. It is, it will, uh, you know, do a double bill, Matt, with uh, what, how to blow up a pipeline. Those right. two will uh, get you motivated. Just don't, you know, we didn't tell you to boil any shit up. Just don't do that. All right. So there you go. And Minari, you'd mentioned. We talked about After Sun as well. Good time. It was, I think, the first Safety Brothers film I saw. And it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it's one of, I think that the first time I saw our boy there, Pattinson. And I'm like, holy crap. I think the first time we saw Holy Crap with, with Pattinson was The Rover. You're right, Rover, which is another A24 film, which is really good. That's an Australian film as well. It is, but I wouldn't call it a horror film. Mm-hmm. No, it's 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 a thriller, though. No, it's right? a thriller. Yeah, yeah, I'd say it's a thriller, yeah. All right, there you go. That's it, folks. What's your favorite A24 release? Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, I am terrified to touch any of the uh, windows on my computer. The whole thing could kick out. What's coming up next week? I don't remember. Um, so no, we I are. I remember. We're... Yeah. We're going to try and uh, catch up with uh, uh, Bat Dracula in Last Voyage of the, the Demeter. And um, I caught up with the TMNT film, so Chris is tentatively considering watching it as well. But yep. if he doesn't, then I'll give you a quick breakdown. So either way, you'll get some thoughts on the TMNT film. That would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. I maybe have too much fun driving my car instead. I don't want to go in the theater. <laughs> So, uh, all right, that's it, folks. That's going to be the big show for this week. I appreciate your patience with our technology. Uh, in the meantime, you can check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. I really hope I got my computer for next week, Matt. I'm really nervous. I'm not going to have it for like two weeks or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those Apple repairs, they take a long time. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Um, but I always say Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Do a search for the first run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. It'll help other people find the show. And uh, I guess that'll be that. So uh, take care of yourselves, everybody. Uh, We love you very much, and we will see you all soon. You don't like me cooking? Oh, don't be such an old bitch!